Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello, and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and I want to welcome you to episode 64. Well, the guest that we're having on today's episode is Alan Walton. Uh, I was privileged to meet Alan when I was visiting Dallas, Texas. I I go to Dallas probably at least five times a year uh, for work, and uh, it's I just love Dallas. It's just uh, really a great city and uh, almost becoming like a second home sometimes. People here in Dallas see me uh, more often than they see some of their friends, uh, so it's uh, it's great. But I was I knew I was going to be coming to Dallas, and um, I had actually connected with Alan over Twitter a couple months ago. Uh, he and another friend of mine, Zach Slayback, I noticed were involved in this Twitter conversation about uh, you know travel points and credit cards and all sorts of other things and. Uh, I had kind of chimed in on the conversation at some point, and then I noticed uh, that Alan was an entrepreneur, and he has this really neat company called Spy Guy, and so you can find his company at spyguy.com, and intriguing, and also wanted to talk to him about what he's doing with trying to help people to uh, travel better and maybe travel uh, for free or highly discounted by using some of these great credit cards and and rewards uh, that are out there. Um, So we sat down for actually a a conversation that went just a tick over an hour here. So it's a little longer than most of the episodes that we have, but um, we were really having a great conversation. And to be honest with you, Alan and I talked even before this for quite a while. We had some great Texas barbecue, kind of got to know each other a little bit there and discussed what we were going to discuss a little bit on the podcast episode. And uh, anyway, really, really neat guy. Uh, Glad to meet him and I'd hope to continue to connect with him for for a long time um, uh, and in in future visits to Dallas. Um, So anyway, I hope you enjoy uh, this episode. And of course, uh, there'll be a blog post for this episode that'll be posted at agentsofinnovation.org. Come on over and look that up and share it with friends. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and you can find all those links at agentsofinnovation.org as well. In addition, at the end of this podcast episode, we're going to play a song by my good friend, J.D. Iker. We had J.D. on several years ago, as you know, we've, we've had, we've replayed, um, or we've played some of his new music, uh, during different episodes. And we're going to have a song that he put out earlier this year called find me here. And, uh, I thought that was a good title for a song considering what we're going to talk about with some of Alan's products which involves some surveillance um, products and also counter surveillance products. So uh, anyway, at the end of this episode, you're going to hear the song Find Me Here by J.D. Iker. And of course, you can find J.D. at jdiker.com. And of course, all the streaming services out there have his music. So check that out and support some great artists like J.D., And of course, we just thank you for listening and keeping this podcast alive. 64 episodes now we're here, and we've got another great one for you ahead. Thanks for listening. Well, I am here in Dallas, Texas, and I want to welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, Alan Walton. Alan, thanks for 
welcoming me to the Big D. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, pretty hot, right? <laughs> it's hot and fairly humid, uh, but yep. it's just like I expected in Orlando every day. So oh, yeah. uh, you guys will cool off a little bit before we cool off. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's very hot here, and uh, we just enjoyed some great Texas barbecue. Uh, so that was, a, that was a fun treat. Now I want to talk to you, Alan. Alan, you are the founder of Spy Guy, uh, and the website is spyguy.com. And uh, we're going to learn a little bit about that and how you got into it. But first, can you tell us what Spy Guy is and what you guys do? Yeah, so Spy Guy is a company I started uh, about five years ago, and we're an online retailer of surveillance equipment. And so that includes things like hidden cameras, GPS trackers, covert audio, bug detectors. Um, we have software that can like pull deleted text messages off your iPhone. It's pretty cool. Um, and so we just uh, sell these surveillance products to everyday people who have stuff that's going on in their lives, like they're getting harassed at work or they think, um, you know, their kid is getting abused and they need proof. Um, also a lot of law enforcement, private investigators, So you, you sell the surveillance equipment. We sell the equipment yeah. so they can do their own, like, investigation, if you yeah. will. Yeah. And then now you've got some new products that will detect the surveillance equipment, right? Yeah, so... You, you have surveillance and then you have counter surveillance. So that would include things like bug detectors, which, you know, uh, um, you know in those movies when uh, there's the bad guys are in the house, but their conversation's getting listened to by a bunch of guys that are in a van down the street or right. whatever. So uh, the, the guys in the van down the street, they like put a wireless mic or like a bug inside the house. And uh, those can be detected. So it's just a regular radio transmission. And so we sell devices that'll find that. Um, we're wrapping up development on a new product. My first product that I've actually designed myself, and it's a hidden camera finder for Airbnbs. It's called Scouts. And so that's going to be launching uh, probably end of September. So I didn't realize this was an issue until I, I came across Spy Guy, and you were uh, marketing this and mentioning that when people stay at hotels or Airbnbs, there's now become, like, I mean, it seems like thousands of incidents out there maybe more, right. where people are being spied on by their host for all sorts of nefarious reasons, I'm sure. So yeah. <laughs> tell me a little bit about that research and how this is actually a problem I didn't know existed until uh, coming across your product. Sure. So I've been aware of it for years now because we get customers who are concerned about this sort of thing. So just the nature of the industry, we get a lot of paranoid people. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but... We also get a lot of just regular everyday people, and they're just concerned about their privacy. And um, we would always get people calling, and they're concerned about like, I think I have a camera in this room. Do you have a product that would solve this sort of thing? Um, and then it started getting news coverage eventually. So, you know, family vacationing in Scotland finds hidden cameras in the Airbnb, and so I get Google alerts for the term hidden camera, Ooh. and so. Then I started seeing things like uh, hidden cameras in Starbucks bathrooms, hidden cameras in Airbnbs, hidden cameras in hotels. There's a story last year in the New York Times that 1,600 people in South Korea were live streamed on the internet from their hotel room. And that's when it really went mainstream. And now, if you just type in hidden camera Airbnb, you'll see articles in BBC, Washington Post, all these you know, tier one uh, media organizations just uh, 
saying that there's a problem going on and Airbnb hasn't really been doing anything about it and people are just overall concerned about that sort of thing. Yeah, so it seems like this is a maybe unfortunate reality of the now new technological age that we're living in where, one, we have developed the technology that you sell, the surveillance technology, uh, which was probably developed for good reasons, right? I mean, catch the bad guys like in the movies or mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, surveil uh, to, to, you know, to do those sorts of things. And, and yet it can also be used for nefarious reasons as yeah. well. Um, so, so therefore you have the counter surveillance. Uh, so, but, you know, which I guess the good guys and the bad guys can also use yeah. uh, if they want to. But uh, that, that, that creates more of a, I guess you would say, a free market in that terms. It's <laughs> always one side trying to... Right. Uh, uh, trying to up the game and get an advantage over the other. Yeah. So you. So, but now we're going to back up the story because you don't just create or come up with this idea overnight. Um, let's go back to uh, Alan Walton, uh, the high school student. Uh, how were you uh, in school? I was really good up until ninth grade. Um, so I was in like all of the accelerated learning stuff early on, like in elementary school and junior high. And then uh, 10th grade is when high school starts here in Dallas, or at least in my school district. So you so grew be, up in Dallas, Texas. Area. Yeah, I'm in Richardson, Texas, mm-hmm. and just on the edge of Dallas. And so um, once I hit 10th grade, which is the start of high school, that's when things like really unraveled. I didn't get into any, like, um, I didn't mingle with bad people or anything like that. I just, like, didn't care about school at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure why. I kind of think I was just, like, a classic underachiever, like, just bored with school Mm -hmm. and so those were three awful years (laughs) and uh i had the last three years of high school yeah last three years of high school uh it was just a real drag i also like didn't have any friends in high school um so i but and i also had like a 2.8 gpa and so not super great if you want to go on to college which everyone was you know telling me telling everyone at the time uh that was my age like you got to go to college you got to go to college and my grades were so bad, I just didn't even bother applying to any up until, like, uh, almost near the end of senior year. I was just unfamiliar with the whole college. We were talking about this before yeah. recording, but I'm so unfamiliar with how the college system works. I started applying to colleges, like, in April or something like that, like, a month before I graduated from high school. I think I'm supposed to do that sooner before. Did you, sooner did you that, take, like, the, uh, the any of the tests, like the SAT or ACT? I or said, yeah, so I, the first one I took was the... PSAT. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know this at the time, but the PSAT one is the one where you get the uh, the uh, national merit. Right. Am I... I'm right. Yeah, the national that, right? merit. That's semi- the PSAT. It's not the SAT. I, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. And so I didn't know that. I thought it was just like a practice SAT. <laughs> and so I stayed up until 3 a.m. playing Age of Empires 2. It sort of is a practice SAT. Well, that's yeah. how they base... So, right. Uh, yeah, anyways, long story short, I, like, bungled that whole deal, and then we learned from my mistakes, and then my brother and sister actually, like, aced it. And so are you the I'm oldest Hispanic, child? So, like, they, both of them got, yeah, I am. Uh, both my brother and sister got the National Hispanic Merit Scholar or whatever, and so they went to college for free, um, and, but I didn't go at all, except for community college. So you graduate high school, and you, you go yeah. to community college, uh, and that was sort of, I think we were talking earlier, um, you were... You didn't, you didn't really have an initiative to go, but, but you sort of felt like you had to do it. To the college thing? To, to community college. Oh, to community college? Yeah, that was uh, parents saying I had to go to school. 
Right. So I, I enrolled in the local community college, took like really basic courses. Like it basically just felt like a repeat of high school. Yeah. Those first two Same years of, co of college or community college feels like that. Yes. Yeah. I was taking, uh, so I had bad grades, but I was still taking classes like um, calculus and stuff in high school. And then I get to community college and they had me doing trigonometry and I'm just, I, I couldn't believe what was happening and it just felt like I had no control of what was going on. And so then I just like stopped taking education seriously and just got really big into video games. <laughs> so, so you graduate community college. Yeah. Uh, and I think you mentioned it took you three years to get through the two years. Yeah, it took three years because I didn't, uh, after the first year, like it's the end of the year and like Christmas time and whatnot. And uh, I just remember it being like January 1st and I'm like, oh, I should probably sign up for some colleges for the spring semester. And then I log in online and all of them are completely booked because school yeah. starts on January 3rd. Like, I, I guess I have this problem with not knowing when to like fill out yeah, paperwork deadlines, with college. bureaucracy, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I took the whole semester off, played nothing but World of Warcraft. Uh, my parents were very upset with me. Um, and then eventually it, so you're living at home, playing World of Warcraft, not going to school for a semester. Yes. And then you graduate eventually, and then what do you do after that? Uh, after that, I think I played more video games for a bit, uh, but there was, I guess the, I, it, but I was also working like, um, you know, part-time jobs. So were you working part-time when you were at community college? Yeah, I was. Okay, so you weren't just living at home, playing World of Warcraft. But it you was like also four hours of work. A day? a day? Yeah, just okay. four hours of work in a day, and then I'd go home and play video games until like 2 a.m. or whatever, and then just like do it all over again. It was like a and what cycle. types of jobs did you have? Um, the first job I had was at a daycare. First job during college? First, first job, job during period? college, and first job period. At a daycare? Was at a daycare. So what did you learn on this first job at a daycare? Uh, I learned the entire script for High School Musical, and Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, well, you're you're a, a fairly new dad now, an eight month old. So, is it, did this prepare prepare you for? Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm totally you know I'm totally used to all the Disney stuff that's constantly playing in my house, yeah. like soundtracks, multiple and like multiple times watching things over yeah. and over again. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, anything you would learn at a first job. Um, so just how to. I mean, I learned a lot about, like, taking care of kids and everything, like, because most of these kids were, like, under the age of five. Yeah. And so just having, like, 20 kids under my watch, a lot of kids, um, learning about, you actually kind of learn a lot about people in general when you deal with, like, little kids. I, I don't know. Uh, plus their parents, too. So right. you kind of have to just navigate that whole situation. Um, and then that was my first experience with, um, uh, or after that job, I'm sorry. After that job, I started working as a cashier at this electronic store called Micro Center, which is kind of like Best Buy, but it's like a regional. Uh, it's a regional store. And so um, that's when I was just constantly dealing with lots and lots of customers and having to um, navigate just like what bosses expect of you. Like they would always, every morning they would be like, Oh yeah, so we've got these sales that are going out today in the flyers, and you got to make sure you handle them this way. And like it was just like a very systematized thing, which I just did not thrive in that at all. Right. Uh, it just felt like, oh great, I'm just like doing all of these small little tasks for somebody above me. Like I have an authority problem, I think, too. <laughs> Sounds like it. So, <laughs> yeah. 
So then uh, tell me how you get into, uh, I know you were working at a, another uh, electronics sort of spy yeah. type of job, uh, appliance or whatever you call them, appliances, I guess. Um, yeah, Products. electronics. Electronics. Yeah, so um, after after working part-time as like a cashier and at the daycare, and then there's also time in there where I was in, in a cookie dough scooper. So like I worked for this company that would sell frozen cookie dough, and I would have to scoop cookie dough all day. And How much of the cookie dough did you eat? Uh, I got, I gained a lot of weight yeah. when I worked there. Uh, <laughs> a lot of weight. Um, I once, like worked, I once worked at a Taco Bell for a semester in college, and I think it was, it was my freshman semester. I think I put the freshman 15 on in three months. Yeah. 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 yeah a lot of Taco Bell and a few beers in between. Yeah, that was when I learned that, wow, my body does not bounce back like it did when I was in high school and, like, playing soccer all, all the time. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, after that, I uh, graduated from community college, and I just... Uh, I guess there was a period there where I just wasn't working at all and I was playing video games for like 14 hours a day. It's really pretty sad. Um, and I went out to eat with my parents at this place called the Original Pancake House up in Plano, Texas. More eating. And yeah, more eating. Uh, there, was just, there was a spy shop next door. It was, uh, and it was always there when I was growing up too. And I could kind of peek through the windows and see what was going on, like when I was younger. And I was just like, wow, this is really cool, spy stuff. Like, this is, must be really interesting. And I was and into electronics. Playing, and now you're playing World of Warcraft all the time. Yeah, so. and so they had a Help Wanted sign. And my mom made me apply. And it was kind of embarrassing, but I went inside, got an application, filled it out. I'd never heard anything back. And then I walked into the store um, to follow up on it, probably because my mom made me. And then... And what were you? How old? About 20? Yeah, I was like 21. Yeah. And uh, I went back in, and there was a woman there, and I asked her about my application, and she's like, oh, I never saw it, but you want to have an interview right now? And it turned out she was like the co-owner of the store. And I guess I came off well, because she hired me to be like a full-time salesperson. Wow. Well, you know, I think that's just a good example of follow-up, right? I mean, you just went right in, yeah. follow-up, you didn't hear anything probably dropping by near that place all the time right so yeah good sometimes uh you know people say luck sometimes people just have good luck but you know luck is sometimes opportunity and hard work and you know the right timing too so yeah. getting anyway you got the job um so how you know you worked there what, what was what was your experience like how long did you work there i worked there for two years and the first six months or so was mostly learning the product um this store had four different locations, and each location had only one person at it, like a sales manager. And uh, each day of the week, they would get a day off. And so my job was to go make the rounds to all the four stores. Oh, and so they're all in the DFW area? Yeah. yeah. And uh, my job was to fill in uh, for a day. And um, I would, at the very beginning, it was basically learning the product, which I never, I never used a hidden camera before, and I'd never set up like a 16 camera security system for a business. And so I had to, I went into the back room and I was just reading the manuals for all the different products to like learn and actually using the products so that I could actually sell these to customers that were coming in. Because if I didn't know what I was talking about, then people wouldn't actually buy anything. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that very quickly. So then, uh, sounds like very familiar 
ground for what you're doing now. How, how did you make the jump from I'm working for this other business that is in this space uh, to doing your own um, to running your own business? How did you start that? Uh, so it's kind of a weird transition, but after two years of working in the retail store, um, I basically had kind of like a falling out with the management at that store. So not the guy that owned it, but the person who was in between us. And I was kind of like being micromanaged. Um, they were throttling the amount of inventory I could have in my store, probably because they were having cash flow issues. Mm -hmm. So it got really difficult for me to sell products in the store. Like I might go in on a, on a Wednesday afternoon and there might be only like one GPS tracker in the store that I can sell, but I'm gonna have like four people that I could probably sell them to over the course of the day. And it's really hard to sell a product to a customer who's in a hurry um, when you don't actually have it in stock. And it hurt my sales, it made it so I couldn't make commission, and just being micromanaged on top of that, um, working long hours, I was kinda like under, overworked and underappreciated, is like a term that I really enjoy, <laughs> enjoy using. Uh, to describe my time there. And uh, one of my customers kind of caught wind that I was unhappy there. And so he came in and he was like, hey, I work for this TV show called Cheaters. Uh, it's a reality show. Right. It's really embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> dark period of my career. But um, we get all of these people who watch your TV show and they want private investigator services and we can't help them. And they're all over the world. How do you feel about opening up like a franchise locations? And I was like, well, I'd rather just open up an online store because um, one of our, my boss was always complaining about this one website that just dwarfed him in terms of sales and size. And he was online only. And I was like, you know, we should do an online only store. And they said, okay, let's do it. And so we started an online store. It was called Cheaters Spy Shop. It was advertised in the TV show. So there was like a little 10 second commercial that played in the show telling people to go to the website. Now who paid for that advertising? Uh, <laughs> so the, the company that owned the TV show, they owned the spy shop that I created for Okay. Them. And so at first it was just like, yeah, let's put the commercial in for free. And then, but then once the business started getting bigger and bigger and bigger, then they started the production company started charging a royalty fee or whatever, a licensing fee or whatever Something like that, for yeah. the spy shop. And it was kind of sketchy, but. <laughs> but you were doing a lot of business. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I grew that thing into a seven figure business with just one other person on staff to help with customer service. Wow. And so what was sort of the next step in, in the advancement of this career? Um, so probably about the time I started that job, um, which by the way, I didn't know anything about e-commerce. So the moment I was hired, I went to go quit my job and then I drove to like four different Barnes and Nobles in the Dallas area trying to find e-commerce related books so I could learn how to sell stuff online. How to uh, do e-commerce for dummies or something yeah, like that. Yeah, starting a Yahoo store for dummies, yeah. which was the e-commerce platform at the time that everybody was using. What, what, about what year was this? Uh, this was 2011, okay. June of 2011. Um, the, uh, so one of the books that I found at the time as well was The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And I read that and like that really, um, that was like a, I guess Ryan Holiday calls them earthquake books. It's like books that just like completely rattle like the world that you're 
living in at the time. Mm -hmm. And I just had never heard of anything like that before. Rocks my world. I mean, you talk to any online business owner and they're going to tell you that that book changed their life probably. And so I had read that book. And after about, um, it was almost three years of working uh, for that company, I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, my relationship with the, the guy that owned it like really deteriorated. This is with the Cheaters. Yeah, with Cheaters. And what was the name of the company? Cheaters Spy Shop Cheaters was the name Spy of the company Shop. that okay. I was running. Yeah. And so I was running that on my own. I uh, felt, again, overworked and underappreciated. Um, life running that business was just really difficult. And so I quit without like any warning whatsoever. Um, I just gave a two weeks notice and then left and I just didn't do anything for a month. I had no plan at all. But I had become such a fan of uh, Tim Ferriss' work and I had met so many other people that were inspired by him and running really cool companies and being you know, their own boss. I was like, you know, if I either need to find a job right now or I need to just go ahead and try and make this thing happen. And so the first thing I did actually was apply for, uh, I cold emailed Mark Cuban because <laughs> I was like, if I was going to work for anybody, uh, who would I work with? Um, and like Shark Tank was big at the time and Mark Cuban's in Dallas and we had recently won a championship and I'm like, dude, I would totally work so he's for Mark on Cuban. His, he's in his peak like yeah. status, life status. And you're like, I'm just going to reach out to that guy. Yeah. His email, like it's not too hard to find. And, um, and someone replies to it. I mean, I got a response almost instantly. Um, From him? I'm pretty sure it was him. I have no way of knowing for sure. But we were trading emails back and forth, like, very quickly. Yeah. Like, a dozen emails over the span of, like, a couple hours. Wow. Um, and uh, they were all lowercase and, like, really short and stuff. So I'd like to think it was him. Yeah, that must be him if it's that fast, that quick. <laughs> so, uh, but, but is it? He's so busy. Right. How many different people are trying to get a hold of him at any given moment? Especially while he was on Shark Tank. Yeah, Shark Tank, running basketball organization, all of his other investments. I don't know. So, uh, but I felt like I knew e-commerce, and I saw all the different stores that he had invested in on Shark Tank, all the different companies. And I was like, dude, I'll totally go there. And so I actually, like, did a full-blown, like, I, I guess you could call it, like, a teardown or, like, an audit of one of his, like, portfolio companies. And I was like, hey, these guys are doing a lot of things wrong. Here's what I would do. And I sent it to him. And then he actually, like, forwarded it to the CEO of that company. Wow. And so I had a back and forth with him and whatnot. And um, ultimately, it led to me getting an interview. Um, and so I, I, didn't get, I didn't talk to him personally, but one of the guys at his company. And I had an interview there. And with this, was this an interview to help him with Shark Tank or with something else? It was, yeah, the way I was positioning it was I want to be the guy that grows the e-commerce companies that you invest in. So you've got all these Shark Tank companies. They're doing cool products, uh, cool things. And, but there's a lot of different, there's a lot of things that they can just tweak and just really, um, really improve sales. So did you feel like at this point, like just maybe before emailing him, did you feel like you had... You know, maybe this is a, a too strong of a term, but mastered the e-commerce uh, arena. Yeah, um, I wouldn't a, say mastered. Of it. I would say I mean, like I felt like I knew what I was doing, and that I had like I, I like to think I have a good head on my shoulders. I like to think that I can objectively analyze companies and um, figure out what they're doing wrong, and that with a few tweaks we can find out how to make things better. 
and you I'm would say all that, and it. you would say all that you felt that confident about yourself after only really having started one or two companies on uh, e-commerce. Yeah, it was only that one company. One company at that point. Yeah, the Cheater Spy Shop company. Yeah. So I started that one. I worked there for three years, but I did it all by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't put up the money, and I didn't have any equity in it at all because I was young, and I didn't even know what equity was. Right? Yeah. Um, but I grew the thing to seven figures. I ran it all with just one other person. I'd got, been going to conferences and reading books and watching lots of YouTube videos and buying courses about marketing and sales and cash flow and um, just the kind of stuff that you need in order to run a business. And, and this was still kind of like, I mean, if you want to talk about early days of e-commerce, you could, would talk about the 90s. But Stuff was still pretty hard to do, like back in 2014. It's yeah. just like five years ago. Um, it, so things have, you're saying in the last five years, things have really advanced. Really, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but five years ago, I felt like I was, you know, I, I felt like I knew what I was doing enough that I could actually be of use to other e-commerce companies. So you get you get this interview, and how'd that pan out for you? With, with the shark tank. Yeah, so I, I did another, the first teardown worked so well, I decided to do it for another one. Are they paying one. you for this? Oh, uh, no. No, this was just kind of a This was just though. me trying to like, get my foot in the door. Yeah. And by the way, I'm like, I'm super big on that sort of thing, like doing free work, um, quality work in front of people, um, because that just opens up a lot of opportunities. Yeah. At least it has for me. And so I had an interview over there with one of his guys, and, uh, I mean, that was really cool. Um, going in for the interview, I did a teardown. I handed it to him. He flipped it. I printed it out. And I showed it to him. And um, I can't remember the guy's name. Otherwise, I would just say that. I think his name was also Mark, though. So, <laughs> uh, Mark II. Um, he, was, he flipped through it for, like, 15 minutes or something like that without even saying anything. And um, it was... It basically ended with him saying, look, Thanksgiving is like in a couple of days. Uh, I'm not going to have an answer for you now, uh, but I'll get back to you next week. And I'm like, okay. And then next week ha- came along and I hadn't heard anything. So I sent an email for a follow up. And the guy's like, yeah, we don't have a position for you here at all, but thanks. Um, and so that, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. And, uh, but then I was like, you know, this is like really cool. Like I just emailed like a billionaire and got a job interview. And I, I did these like two case studies or these two teardowns. And this is like good work. And I think people would be willing to pay for this. Or, uh, or I could probably just go ahead and do this on my own as like a consultant or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to go work for some other company and do this stuff for them internally. And it was just an eye-opening moment for me. Like, hey, maybe I'm not. Maybe I like can do this on my own. Uh, right. So. so what was next? Uh, so after that, I decided to go ahead and start Spy Guy. I started thinking about different, I was like, look, I want to do the whole four hour work week thing. Spy stuff is like all I know in addition to selling online. So let's just go ahead and do it again. And I've already done it once before, so let's just do it again. And, um, I started brainstorming names. I started seeing what domains were available. Um, I was convinced that I was going to call it private spy shop because like, my customers are like trying to be discreet, typically. Uh, and then I saw that spyguysecurity.com was available, and I'm like, that's actually cool. And people used to call me the spy guy back when I worked in the retail store. Um, 
so I did that, and then I started. I, I bought a, a monthly plan on Shopify. It was like fourteen bucks a month at the time, and I started um, building the online website. So it was SpyGuySecurity.com, and now you have SpyGuy.com. Yeah, last uh, about two years ago, I bought SpyGuy.com. Great. So, um, so you've been doing that. How do, now? How does that business work? I mean, when you were working for the the store, you you walked into a, an established company that had. Um, all these uh, surveillance products, right? And so, how do you now? How do you get the products and you know, and then put them online? And how you know, are you are you sort of sort of the middleman uh, between the you know the, the actual produce the manufacturers yes. of the so, products? And uh, like, why wouldn't they just sell them on their own online? Yeah, the manufacturers don't want to do that. They just want to be making products um, that other people then sell for them. And so, I would buy the products wholesale like from the manufacturer, the distributor, it depends on the product. Because there's only a, hand, there's a handful of companies that make this stuff. Yeah. And so I already knew who they were too because I learned all that information on the job, you know, at the first, at the first security store. Okay, so you start establishing uh, relationships with them. Yeah, I just reached back out to them and I'm like, hey, I've been doing business with you guys for the last several years at this company. I went on and started my own. Can I set up an account with y'all? And they're like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, well, I also don't have any money to buy anything right now. But if I sell something on my website, will you ship it to them? Uh, called drop shipping. And they're like, yeah, we'll do that. And so that's how I started out. Um, but I also, there was some inventory that I could only get if I actually like bought it beforehand, like uh, from Asia. And so I had spent about $10,000 purchasing inventory and, and it just stayed in the second bedroom of my apartment. And how did you... Um get customers? I mean, how are you marketing spyguy.com or spyguysecurity.com at the time? When when I launched the website, I knew that people weren't just going to magically show up and I'd have to drive traffic right. there. So I bought about three books on Google AdWords. And then I also, there's a, there are several blogs out there that are devoted to um, paid advertising. And so I just learned that game. And I just man, ran all of my own ad campaigns for the first year. And basically, if somebody typed in a product like GPS tracker or hidden camera into Google, then my ad would show up. Mm. And that's how I'd get people to my website. Good. So that works, the, the Google ads. Oh, yeah. It works great. Google ads and Facebook ads are amazing. Well, um, so, so now you've done that, and then you've come, now you're coming out with... Now, the product you just were talking about earlier, yeah. um, the counter surveillance product, is that, some, is that a product you created? Or how, or how, did, how did you come across it? It's based it? on... A, a technology that already existed. Okay. It, it actually was one of the first products I learned about when I was when I started in the space ten years ago. Um, but back then, it was more of like a novelty item. It was a, it's a hidden camera finder. Um, it uses light and it bounces off the camera lens, revealing itself to you. It's kind of hard to explain. Yeah. Just if you use the product, you're gonna be like, wow, this is awesome. But to explain it, but it's it's, it's, it's a hard. handheld little handheld yeah. device. You showed it to me, um, and it's uh, it's about the size of an Apple TV remote. You hold yeah. it up to your eye and you look through it, and if there's a hidden camera, it looks like a laser pointing back at you. Yeah, and then you just kind of find it. And these little hidden cameras could be like smaller than a button. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. We actually sell a hidden camera disguised as a button. Yeah. So you um, you can do that. Uh, I know my friend James O'Keefe at Project Veritas. <laughs> you know, he's very good on all these investigations using these things with interviews, undercover interviews, and things like that. So. Uh, I've seen those sorts of things, and then so somebody can sort of detect those things. Um, well, um, 
So, so let me uh, let's let's advance a little further. I wanted to ask you. Um, so, you uh, first of all, I noticed in 2015, uh, Forbes magazine uh, got wind of what you were doing at SpyGuy.com, and uh, they described you this way. They said Alan Walton is part of an exciting trend in the U.S. economy: the growth of ultra lean businesses that are hitting and exceeding one million dollars in revenue at a stage when they have no employees other than the owners. And that was in 2015. So we talked a little bit about this with your e-commerce and what you were doing. Now I know you have uh, four or five other employees. Do you have yes. any business partners or how does that work? No, I still own uh, the entire business. Um, last year I hired, I have a brother that's a year younger than me and we get along great. The one with the nice college degree that was paid for? Yeah. Yeah. Him. So now uh, he's working for so a guy working without a college degree. Yeah. But you don't have any student loan debt. Probably. No, I never did. Yeah, yeah. So no. that's great. So, so sometimes people invest in college, and they're not as fortunate as maybe your brother and sister getting it paid for with some kind of scholarship. Uh, and they've come out of college with tens of thousands, some people hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. in debt. Um, you took some of that time as an, to invest in, in a business as an entrepreneur and, and, and found your own way. So, uh, so that gives you, I think, a, a little bit of a leg up. You had to find some capital. You don't have the credential of the college degree necessarily. Yeah. Um, but tell me a little bit. So you are 2015 being recognized by Forbes in this new kind of e-commerce, uh, ultra lean business in a sense uh, that is becoming an exciting new trend, they say, in, uh, in the U.S. economy. Um, do, you, do you meet other people that are like you that uh, are entrepreneurs that have started things like this? Oh, and, and you know, I didn't want to cut you off before about what you were saying you hired your brother. You've got you know four or five other employees. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, four or five, uh, five employees. Um, we do have an office, but um, that's mostly because we do all, all of our fulfillment from there. So and how long have you had the office? Uh, about two and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so we do all of our own fulfillment. If we wanted to, we could drop the office, we can get a third-party fulfillment center to ship it all, and then everybody could just, you know, work from wherever they wanted. Um, most of my team is just customer service people, so we get a lot of phone calls, people trying to find the right product. And they're doing that mostly from your office? Uh, so I have two employees that take phone calls from uh, home, so they don't even come to the office. And then I have a third employee that does the phone calls as well, but he's also in the office and packing and shipping orders as well. That's good. Um, so you, you know, you're very prolific, and I, you know, obviously people can check out the website spyguy.com. Um, you're on social media. What's your Twitter handle again? Uh, it's <laughs> it's Alan Third. So that's A L L E N T H I R D. I'm the third Alan in my family, and every other Twitter handle's taken. So. And I know you're on Instagram and everything, and Instagram's a little more tricky. It's A L. Yeah, it's Alan Walton, but the E is a three. Okay, so A-L-L-3-N. Gosh, I wish Walton. I could get the real stuff. Yeah. yeah, but that's great. That's kind of unique, and people got to take it. And we're going to post a little bit of this. Um, you know, on the Agents of Innovation podcast, we have a, a website, agentsofinnovation.org, and we've got links there to our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and we will uh, connect everybody to Alan Walton through that. Um, but also, um, I've, I, one of the things that caught my attention, we have a a mutual friend in Zach Slayback that was actually on this podcast uh, almost two years ago. And I, I actually saw you and Zach engage in a conversation on Twitter in the last uh, two months, and that's what caught my attention with what you're doing. Um, but you are you were talking about travel rewards and, tra and, and accumulating travel points. And I have to give uh, Zach like huge kudos for uh, helping me get a lot of uh, 
travel paid for uh, a few years ago, he said, Francisco, you should get the Chase Sapphire Reserve credit card for your personal credit card because I noticed the types of travel you do and the types of expenses you do and the way you use different airlines and different hotels and all that, you would really benefit. And I can tell you, I took a round trip to Peru this year, all paid for um, in terms of the flight. Uh, I took a round, I got a round trip coming up in Mexico City later this year, all paid for. And I took a trip from Orlando to Washington, D.C. On These are just flights, all paid for, plus a few hotel nights mixed in and things like that. And I, I was just telling Zach the other day, it's, this is all my personal spending, personal credit card, that you're, and I, I owe you a beer or something. So, um, but one of the things I saw, you guys were engaged in this, and talking to you now, you are in the midst of starting a travel agency that guides people on how to use their points. Tell me a little bit about more what you're up to here. Yeah, so the whole points game um, is like the greatest entrepreneurial perk nobody talk, tells you about. Um, it's starting to get a little bit more above ground like in terms of people just discussing it, but basically it breaks down like this. Um, so I wanna say it was about three and a half years ago I learned that uh, when you get, I, I had been running everything on a debit card for my business, and uh, one day, Shopify, who was my credit card payment processor, they shut down my account, and it terrified me. And I wasn't getting any money deposited into my bank account to run the business, mm. and because of that, um, I couldn't spend any money at all, or like I couldn't buy the things that I needed because I was only using a debit card. Um, and so my bank account hit zero because Shopify was withholding payments. Um, I didn't have a credit card, and so I get the, the I get this offer for an Amex Gold card like a day later after they shut my account down, and it's like seventy five thousand sign up point bonus, and I'm like, well, I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. If I if if I don't have to pay it until next month, then maybe I can like bridge this period with Shopify not giving me my money. And so um, I got this Amex Gold card. I started learning about the points thing. And then I heard another person on a podcast talk about using points for free travel. I'm like, what is this? Okay, wait, so what's going on now? And then that's when I went down the rabbit hole of learning about um, using points to fly for free in first class and business class and about how business owners, they have su such high spend that they rack up all of these points that they could be using for like luxury travel and there are credit cards out there that are marketed towards certain types of business owners. So like there might be a card that gives you triple points on shipping or quadruple points on Google ad spend, which is yeah. great for me. So I get to rack up points really easy. And then uh, you, you just kind of learn how the game is played. Like, oh, uh, I got chase points. Can I transfer them to this airline? No, but I can transfer them to this airline. And it's just this really interesting game that most people aren't willing to take the time to learn. And so, um, so if people go to your Instagram story, you have a yeah. saved story on your profile that's all about trips you've taken, and I'm going to just flash through them really fast. Since 2017, October of 2017, you've taken. Now, is this is this the to like the total package trip? Uh, or just, I mean, or just flights or oh, uh, including so, like your whole. Expenses? Oh no, there's plenty of hotel stays in there too. I mean, there are some places like I've stayed in Airbnbs and sometimes. So you've gone to Japan. Times. You've gone to Barcelona, Paris. Bath, Scotland, Barcelona again. Oh, that maybe that was a mistake. <laughs> Hong Kong, Versailles. Cambodia. You get it. <laughs> so yeah, Thailand, uh, Vietnam. You've whatever. been to all these places in just the last two years, all paid for by points. Now, granted, as an entrepreneur, you're saying this is especially good for entrepreneurs, right? Who are using credit cards for their business. Um, 
and all and maybe all their other life expenses. Yeah. And you're accumulating all these points and you're finding targeted ways to use them. And if you want to travel, this is a great way to travel uh, to get most of your travel paid for, personal travel. Yeah. And if you don't want to travel or you don't want to travel as much as maybe you and I like to travel, you can do get you know, you can get Google ads paid for, you can get Amazon gift cards, you can get all sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, you can do a lot of different things with points, but you get the most value if you're willing to do like a business or a first class international flight. So I've noticed with Chase, for example, and there's all, you know, you talked about American Express. Uh, Chase also on their app, they actually have like, you can book travel through their app. You can. Which for me, I've noticed the points go further if I use their app and I'm also using the points and the points are on travel. And so like, it's like, it's like we're now in like multiple matrices, you know, multiple dimensions of the matrix of getting uh, things that I'm like, this is just incredible. And then, you know, you could also, even if you're paying for the travel and you're using their app, uh, you get like additional points because you're using their app for travel using their card. So it's, yeah. It can be really confusing. Yeah. I generally tend to take the points that are in Amex or Chase, for example, and then I transfer them to airlines so I, I've never done any bookings like through the Chase shopping the ultimate rewards portal oh, okay or the Amex one I pretty much decide like okay I want to go to Tokyo and I want to go business or first class um, what's the best way to do it like what city am I gonna fly out of well there's a direct from Dallas and Japan Airlines flies there and Japan Airlines is a transfer partner of American uh, or excuse me uh, Japan Airlines is in an alliance with British Airways. Right. And British right. Airways is a transfer partner to American Express. So like it's like this maze. So I've noticed too, to like engineer. I just recently flew on Air Canada for the first time. So yeah. I don't you know, I'm I'm sure I probably signed up for their rewards because I, I just okay, it's like you know, they always tell you to sign up for our rewards program. But I, I notice when you're traveling, say on something like that, it'll ask you what other frequent flyer programs you're on, so maybe I'm on American Airlines. And mm -hmm. so they might credit my American Airlines frequent flyer because I don't have one with Air Canada. Yeah. Something like that. You can choose which airline yeah. that you want to attribute the, the Now, do you to. also, as you're uh, kind of helping people uh, reduce their travel expenses and maybe get somewhere free, do you also look at sites like, for example, I'm sure there's many other sites like this, but I, I started getting a daily email about four or five months ago uh, at the suggestion from, from Scott's Cheap Flights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they give you the daily, like, you know, this yeah, week great. there's amazing deals to Hong Kong for $300 for a round trip. And, you know, I'm, I look at these every day and I go, damn, I'd love to go there, but not right now. You know, but I know there's going to be one day where I see something that I really, really want to go to. And, like, there's a great flight. And they even shows you, like, from Orlando or from Dallas, you can get these flights for this amount of money. Yep. Um, so you, you kinda, do you kind of mix and match that at all with some of these deals? Or is it just a separate thing? Um, so this one is... The agency that I've started, uh, which, which doesn't have a name yet or even a website, I'm basically You're just like doing a this month through or two word in. of mouth. Yeah, I'm like six weeks in. I mean, yeah. we have a few dozen clients already, which is great, just like from my network and stuff. Um, and the only thing I've done to promote it is that Instagram story too. Um, so you don't even need a business name or a website to get started, y'all. Um, but the and, and you are so just to explain what you're doing, you and you are basically charging. The person that comes to you, it's like an annual fee or membership yeah. to 
get access to your great, amazing travel advice, and then you're kind of putting it together for them? Yeah, so the initial plan that I opened up with, I might change it in the future, I don't know what the deal is, but basically, just to get some traction and see if there's any interest at all, I said, hey, for 350 bucks a year, which is way under what this is worth to mm -hmm. people, for 350 bucks a year, you get unlimited credit card advice, you get unlimited searches, so just tell me where you wanna go. Or if you don't know where you want to go and how you want to fly, I'll start giving you suggestions on how you can use those points. And then I will do unlimited searches, um, unlimited bookings on your behalf so that you get a, I'm targeting entrepreneurs mm -hmm. who their time's very expensive. Um, they don't want to learn this whole points game. So we'll do the whole booking for them using their points. And so the Scott's Cheap Flights thing is cool because it shows you like discount airfare. Right. Um, but nobody's doing, nobody's doing that for uh, for points related flights. So you're taking, so let's say I sat down with you and I was like, hey, I've got a chase card. Um, I've got, here's all, my, do, you, do I just basically, do you have like some kind of form I would fill out or something like, I don't know, I don't know how you do yeah, it. Yeah, we're super low I, tech right so now. So like, like maybe, maybe you like want to get information. You're like, I'm, I have, uh, here's my rewards points with these three airlines. Here's my yeah. hotels. And you kind of just take the whole gamut of things and you just combine them. Yeah. And look at how am I going to get to Japan free flights paid for hotel paid for or maybe not free but i can get there for half the price i would pay if i just paid full price for these things yes exactly um we have an intake form and it asks some questions like hey do you how many credit cards have you signed up for in the last two years what credit cards do you have because then i can recommend you sign up for certain cards and get big sign-up bonuses or maybe there's like a points multiplier that you can take advantage of um, and then I say, um, what's, what's the best trip you've ever had? So that I can try and outdo it. Oh, yeah. Um, what, how many points do you have in Amex? How many do you have in Chase? How many are in Southwest? Whatever. Uh, just tell me your point balances so I can figure out how best to serve you. Um, do you have any upcoming trips that I can go ahead and start looking for? And my butt, so like uh, one, one of my buddies, Austin, he messaged me and he signed up for the service. And then he was like, hey, man, I got a problem. I'm flying to... Istanbul and I have an economy ticket on Air Canada or some I can't remember he's like I've got an economy ticket I'm speaking at this conference this is gonna be horrible can you find me a business class flight within 30 minutes we found him a business class flight on Turkish Airlines which is way better and it was a direct flight with no stops and flying out of the same airport that he wanted to originally and we were able to do that within an hour. And he was just over the moon and he was ecstatic. And he's like, dude, I want to be your first testimonial. Cause he was the first guy I found a flight for. Oh, wow. Um, and, and he's like, I want to be your first testimonial. And I'm like, wow, a business where people actually like want to share you with their friends. Yes, yes. Spy guy, nobody wants to talk about us. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody wants to follow us on Facebook. Nobody wants, we get customers who are upset about order confirmation emails. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they're, so, they're trying but to be this totally one, under the radar, yeah, private with investigator this, types. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. with this business, there's no inventory. Customers, like, I've got more people coming to me than I can handle, and so now I'm going to have to actually, like, build... It started off as, like, a side project thing. Like, is there a market here? And now the, the answer is clearly yes. Yeah. And now I need to actually, like, start that company. Well, and it's funny, too, because I'm really good at planning, like, my own travel and, like, putting together nice itineraries, and so... I'm always inviting friends to come on trips, and so like one yeah. of my friends recently, we were, we were going to Peru, and um, him and his fiance were coming with me and another friend, and we 
I think he thought he was going to be a part of the, <laughs> like, I mean, I had, I had basically researched everything. I mean, it was a place I'd been wanting to go for a long time. And uh, so I just sent him the itinerary, like, oh, hey, here's some things I'm thinking we'll, we'll do, and here's sort of day by day. And he sent me back an email, and he said, you, you should be a travel agent. You planned the, he didn't, you know, he's the CEO of a nonprofit organization, and he didn't really have a lot of time. And he thought, I think he thought at the beginning, like, oh, like, I'm going to have to have, I'm going to have to spend a lot of time planning this vacation with Francisco. And then I came back with the whole thing planned. So I think it was just emblematic of what you're saying in terms of, people like that don't have a, a lot of time and if you if they can yeah. sort of outsource that to somebody else um and and then you know after we went on the vacation he was like man that was incredible you should be like a, you should you know we had like like he was unsure like is that hotel or that that he picked out going to be okay you know and then everything worked out great and uh, and so but i think it you know for me it's I like doing that. It's a little fun in the research and putting things yeah, together. Yeah, it is fun. Now, at the same time, I've gone on a couple trips. I went on a trip to Israel. That was a group trip. I went on an uh, Ireland trip. That was a group trip with like 30 people on each one. And they were sort of uh, specific purposes. But those were totally planned by the organizers, not by me. And at, at that time, I was also like, so glad somebody else planned that. Because yeah. they knew what they were doing. They knew where they were going. We stayed at all the right places, ate at all the right places, and I had no time to plan any of that at that time. So I think it's kind of a mix and match for me. But uh, so I can see how that's beneficial uh, for people. Um, yep. Alan, we've 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 uh, we've had a great interview, but one thing I want to talk to you about, lastly, is you brought up Tim Ferriss before. You read his book maybe ten years ago, or so, and this four-hour work week, and uh, he's got. He's, he's got a whole brand now developed around this four-hour work week idea, yeah. uh, but he's also got uh, a weekly or is it daily now podcast? I can't keep track, but he's got, uh, you know, email yeah, maybe list. maybe like once a week. I'm yeah, not sure. and so he's got all these entrepreneurs on, and you were on the Tim Ferriss podcast, which, you know, led you to the Agents of Innovation podcast, of course, right? But uh, no, but you were on the Tim Ferriss podcast, which is a huge podcast, um, and uh, what was it like? the experience being on Tim Ferriss' podcast, and also, what was it like being that you were such a fan and that his philosophy sort of guided you for many years, and maybe maybe still does? Yeah, uh, absolutely still does. Um, so, I had actually uh, had the chance to meet him. Uh, so, we recorded that episode in, like, November of 20, 2018. Um, but maybe, like, a year before that, I actually got to meet him at a conference that I attended, and uh, I didn't really say anything to him. Uh, he was like kind of at the front. He had just got done speaking at the conference. He had his immediately rushed off stage, grabbed his bag, was waiting for his Uber or whatever. I and, mean, that was it. His four hours were up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was he was out of there. And but I was like, dude, I owe like everything. Every the everything kind of set off with this book and all the great work that he's done ever since then. I'm like, I got. And I know he gets it all the time, too. Right. So I was trying to be conscious about that. Right. Like, he gets people all the time. All you got to do is just say thanks. And so people were going up to him, asking for autographs and photos and stuff. And then I went up there. And I'm like, hey, Tim, just want to say thanks for everything. And he's like, thanks. <laughs> and then that was it. And so we met briefly, and it was very cathartic for me because I was running my own business, and I was living the life that I want to live thanks to a lot of the stuff that he's taught. And then... Um, so that Forbes article that came out back in 2015 that we mentioned earlier, that was the first article about million-dollar one-person businesses. Um, mm. That was the very first one. I was featured in it, and um, I shared that on Twitter, um, and I actually tagged him on it, and he saw it. 
And so he shared it with his audience. It got a lot of publicity. Um, I was able to get more media off of that. I was able to meet other cool entrepreneurs that were doing one-person businesses. And so, um, yeah, she, the girl that wrote that article, Elaine Pofelt, she ended up get, writing, getting a book deal from that. Wow. And I was in that book, and that book was published by, I guess, the same uh, company, uh, the same publisher that Tim has. And so they got to meet each other. And one day I get a call from Elaine, and she's like, hey, do you want to be on uh, Tim's podcast as like a four-hour work wow. case study? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I drove down to Austin and recorded his podcast. Is that where he's based, Austin? Yeah, he's okay. in Austin now. So it's funny because I was thinking after hearing the Mark Cuban story of you reaching out and sending an email that that, that was where what you did, that you met him at a conference or you or you sent an email and you somehow ended up on his podcast. But that's not no, even No, he is so... I don't know how he set up his system, but he is like notoriously difficult to get in touch with. Well, he only wants to work four hours a week, right? So well, he's <laughs> he's just so in demand. Like everybody right. wants a piece of him, and so he's got to set up those barriers right, to right. Uh, so that every everyone's vetted before they finally get to him. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, a call came out of the blue that he wanted to do an episode on four four hour work week case studies. He knew Elaine and. I guess she pitched him on the idea of me coming on, but also like I'd, I, I had probably just been up in his like peripheral vision for a while because I was a big time follower. I had we had some mutual friends, and so maybe my name came up. But oh yeah, I think that's probably what happened. Yeah, well maybe he's using your products. Um, <laughs> I want to send him one of my new uh, camera finders. Yeah, I, I mean, think he'll get a he's kick. He's traveling out of that. all over the place. He's going to need that stuff, especially somebody big and famous like him he doesn't want to get spied on exactly yeah right no so, no uh, privacy is a big concern for uh for people in the public eye um, yeah i mean and, you, you hear some of those those crazy stories like you know these supermodels that are getting peeped on well the big one yeah recording. the big yeah. one at the time was aaron andrews right from espn yeah um that was the big one that just made the whole hidden camera thing uh like uh, big in the media so so okay so to, to sort of close this out um just wanted to get your sort of last takes on um, any kind of advice that you might give to uh, other entrepreneurs or, um, you know, anything related? Uh, I mean, I know you didn't finish college. Or, yeah. You know, you finished your degree, you got an AA. But, um, you know, you do sort of the, you know, uh, everybody's kind of told to go to college now and things like that. But, you know, you, you did a, a different route. And a lot of entrepreneurs, I find, actually didn't finish college or never went. And, you know, big examples, Mark Zuckerberg and fin- didn't finish or Bill Gates or some of these Steve Jobs, some of these big people. Um, you know, super massive entrepreneurs, but uh, but anyway, just what what has been your uh, experience and, and any kind of maybe advice or, or parting words you'd like to leave to some of the listeners of the Agents of Innovation podcast? Oh, you got me on the spot. Um, I would say that um, all all the stuff that you need is out there. Like um, anything that you need to learn. I mean, you could probably pull up a YouTube video and learn all sorts of things about it from the guy that like initially like came up with the concept uh, I guess what I mean by that is like there are people with these amazing ideas right and they write these um, are, there are these people with amazing ideas and they're famous and they write these books and you can actually like buy that book for like 10 bucks and all of their knowledge is distilled into like a readable thing just take a couple hours and you just get like a lifetime's worth of knowledge right I, I, I saw and maybe you've seen this but I saw somebody write about this once where they talked about um, somebody has invested a lot of their own time and money to acquire that knowledge so let's say Tim Ferriss great example right mm-hmm. uh, he's probably started businesses 
he's got probably a co I don't know I think he has a college education um, he's probably just spent so much money and time and resources and for like 15 bucks you can steal all his knowledge yeah <laughs> and, and in terms of like that's the world we live in too like the information is out there for such little price yeah um, and you did that with the e-commerce you went out and bought a couple you know how two dummy books on yeah it's like 14 bucks yeah and to get and then I emailed the author and I said hey I bought your book and he emailed me back and he's like here's a PDF version if you want to read it on your iPad <laughs> yeah now like like you've got I mean I can't believe that you were able to reach Mark Cuban on email but even like uh, I think one of the cool things about Twitter uh, you and I connected because of Twitter yeah. uh, we have some mutual friends who I you know we saw that but we you're able to now Twitter uh, like really big important people with massive followings will sometimes respond to you just on Twitter, especially if you're like a nice guy and you're asking for advice or something. Yeah, absolutely. And so like the world, the, there's so much accessible in the world. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, like you know this idea of going and getting an MBA, and I'm sure like in certain circles that you know you're going to need certain credentials to get certain kinds of jobs. But to be an entrepreneur, like business school MBA, like no, they don't even really teach entrepreneurship so much. They more like teach how to be a peg in the system. Um, yeah. But like. You, you went out and sort of was a, were a self-taught entrepreneur and you created this business and you invested in yourself and you know you were successful obviously I mean I don't know if you had any moments where failure was was uh, was, was insights or imminent <laughs> uh, but you know obviously there's a lot of entrepreneurs a lot of business owners who failed many 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 times yeah and then finally hit it big with something but um, but you were you know you seemed to be successful right off the start and how, how, how that led how long that sort of took to, for you to get to a point where you were like had a sustainable living and yeah and I mean I was kind of lucky because I mean I'm I'm extremely lucky I think I'm very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in right now um, but I was able to learn a lot of stuff on, without having to spend any money on my own like when I when I left my job at the brick and mortar store to go and start the online store for the TV show um, they dumped a couple hundred thousand dollars in that thing and gave me free free reign um, I got to do everything exactly the way that I wanted to do I didn't have any equity in the company, but that project was mine. I did everything. And so I was able to learn, uh, I guess my dad calls it OPM, other people's money. Yeah. And so I was able to get a great education on OPM. <laughs> yeah, and now, Alan, uh, one of the last things, sorry, I wanted to ask you that I almost forgot, was uh, you've now, uh, you have an eight-month-old, and how long have you been married? I've been married for seven and a half years. Seven and a half years. So you've been, uh, you've been now, you're now in the process of building a family while you're building a business. Can you tell us a little bit about about that and, and you know how how that works? Uh, yeah. Um, so I have a couple of thoughts. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is that uh, there's like this weird sort of regret that I have in the sense that I never, I'm going to use air quotes here. I never met my true potential. Like, what would have happened if I'd actually, like, really gone all out and really tried to, like, start, like, just an epic company or make, like, a ton of money or just really get some status and go speak at conferences and just, like, meet all sorts of really cool people. I didn't do that. I, I kind of just kept myself and hung out in a suburb of Richardson, uh, uh, called Richardson, uh, just outside of Dallas, which isn't even like that great of a city, to, to be honest. Uh, like Richardson or Dallas? Dallas. Oh, I think I love Dallas. Ah, uh, nah. You've been here the, You life. know what the best part about Dallas is? We, we have this international airport that'll get you like anywhere else <laughs> you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also have some sports teams that are like on the verge of being competitive every year. So just enough to keep you yeah. entertained. Uh, but um, 
like what would have happened if I had actually just really tried to go all out? I don't know, because now I've got, you know, a, a little girl now that I have to take care of. And I love that. I really do. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, uh, there's a lot of people, I, get, I guess I'm bringing this up because a lot of people have asked me about this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. They talk about like reaching their potential and whatnot. And I'm like, I'm the wrong person to ask because I like squandered a lot of opportunities over the last like decade. But on the other hand, having a kid has really fine-tuned my focus. So um, I've got limited, I, I have no free time whatsoever like I used to when I was like in high school and I had all the time in the world to learn about things and, and read and whatever. Now it's like, okay, uh, my girl's awake from 7.30 in the morning until like, we put her down at like eight o'clock at night and there's probably gonna be like two naps in there somewhere <laughs> where I can get some really hard stuff done. Um, and your wife works full time? No, she's a stay-at-home mom. Okay. But I'm like still really involved, right? Yeah. I like being around. Um, and so I run the company. I go to work for like a few hours. I come back because I want to see my daughter. Um, but, you know, there's there's just limited time to do stuff. Like, I can't go out every weekend. Well, it's funny you mentioned like when you're in high school and college because like I meet so many high school and college students, you know, I'm busy. You know, they think they're busy. Oh, And I'm yeah. like, you have no oh, idea. Oh, and they got to go get Starbucks in the morning right, or else they right. can't function. Yeah, you know, they're busy hanging out with their friends. They're busy doing homework, doing research, whatever it is. There were so many red <laughs> flags I had too that I just kind of completely, like I can still think of times where I'm like, okay, I can either go down this path or I can keep going the path that I'm in. I chose to ignore that warning sign. So for example, I remember reading an article in Guitar Player Magazine. I used to be a bit into music uh, when I was in high school. And I read this article and they're talking about this guy. He's like, yeah, I used to have a lot of time to practice my, on my guitar when I was in high school. I was really hip to the fact that I was never gonna have more free time than I have right now. Oh. And I'm like, oh, that's a really cool observation. Yeah. Interesting. And then I just like completely wasted all of my free time. And now I'm like, so you I read no that when you were in high now. school? I, yeah, I yeah. read that when I was like 16. I'm like, yeah. wow, that is true. I'm never gonna have as much time as I have right now. And that, yeah, now I'm looking back at myself like, dude, you could have been doing so much cooler, better things and hanging out. Well, with it sounds people. like you've done a lot with your time in the last 10 years. Yeah, uh, I've definitely cleaned up since You know, then. since, uh, do you still play World of Warcraft? Oh, that's hilarious that you asked that. So I, I stopped playing for like the last uh, seven years or I so. Gonna, I thought you were going to say eight months. <laughs> no, seven years. Uh, they just re-released the game, the original game that came out like 15 years ago. And like two weeks ago, they just re-released it. And I a bunch of my friends were playing it and I thought it'd be fun to go back. I started playing it and I just like deleted it the other day because I like have no time for that. Yeah. Like it, it was fun and it's like nostalgic, but dude, I can't do anything if I were to play that game. If, even if it was like 30 minutes to an hour a night, my time is worth so much than that. No, I actually that. feel the same way. Uh, I'm, I'm a really, I'm, I love sports, but I feel the same way about watching uh, live sports now. Oh, yeah. Is uh, I just don't have, I just feel like it's not like a great use of my time, of other things I want to accomplish at this point in my life. And I still enjoy going. I'm a big Orlando City soccer fan. I go, I go to games. I, I love watching college football. So when I can watch it, it's great, but it's just, it's not like, like Saturday afternoons, used to be like totally dedicated to college football yeah and now I'm like that's a whole almost day wasted that's a lot of my productive time that you know I could be doing other things right um, and so even though it's Saturday right I could I even even other fun productive things oh I used to be into know? like watching the Mavs play or the Rangers and then yeah. I'm, and then I was like wait a second this is like two to three hours of my day 
with this thing on and uh, or like you could take a football game for example they did the math and the actual football game is only like 11 minutes of actual play actual plays yeah <laughs> well and then and then, well then you're comparing and then you're like well I've lost a whole day and then honestly for me I'm a big Miami Dolphins fan right yeah Oh my gosh, like, talk about wasted years. <laughs> you know? When you say Miami Dolphins, the first thing I think of is just, like, Ace Ventura. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> like, they lost their first game of this season, 59-10. to 10. I didn't watch it, and I feel really wow, good about it. Wow, that's pretty bad. Really bad. I, mean, I feel like, well, at least they signal to us game one of this season, don't waste your time. So, anyway, with that... Well, at least I tell you at, in game one, the Cowboys right. kind of, like, lead you on. Well, the like Dolphins used to lead you on. Now they're just all the way, like, hey, right up front, you know, yeah. we're, just, we're done, so so it's good. But, Alan, this has been really fantastic talking to you. It's, it's gone longer than we hoped because it's, it's been so interesting, and I hope, uh, um, you know, everybody uh, listening um, will check out all of you. You know, you got going on at spyguy.com. Yeah, hit me up on Twitter. I'm pretty active. Happy to help out if you got any uh, anything you would have liked to hear. Just shoot me a message on there. Well, appreciate your time on being on the Agents of Innovation podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Francisco. Appreciate it. Someone